Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. This show is brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash Elder Scrolls Lorecast. Robots Radio presents... Welcome to the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, a place where the Elder Scrolls community can come together to discuss the boundaries of our knowledge about the universe of the Elder Scrolls. All right, adventurers, welcome back. This is your host, Tom, or Robots, here with another episode of the Elder Scrolls Lorecast. And with me, as usual these days, is Lotus of Doom. Welcome back, Lotus. Hello. Hello. How are things in the world of ESO for you? I hear you've been uh, you've been doing some trials. Sure, we were doing some. Uh, yeah, we've been doing some trials and uh, achievement farming earlier. Got our no deaths and speed runs of the new dungeons out of the way. Nice. And, uh, yeah, nice. We get to be here as my dog decides that this is the moment she wants to maul a stuffed taco. Yes. <laughs> yes. Perfect. Stuffed taco. Stuffed taco. <laughs> my dog has a stuffed pizza. He loves his pizza. Yep. I posted a picture of that earlier on Twitter. Um, so apologize for the squeaks. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. This is what happens when you work out of your house or, yeah. you know, uh, extra hobby work slash out of yeah. your house. Whatever work, this is that we're unquote. doing, quote unquote yeah. work, right? Fun work. Fun work. Um, yeah. So we are here live as usual, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific at twitch.tv slash robots radio with our wonderful chat who is in here uh dealing with some of the ups and downs of the stream quitting please if guys if it goes down again please let me know send me a bunch of notifications um but we've got everything working right now and we are back to discuss more details about the reachmen and what's going on with them there are some of the broader details that we discussed last time which tend to be a little bit more well known but we're going into some of the lesser known details here and maybe some of the background for what might be happening or might be motivating some of the events in the new expansion so we'll see where this goes so why don't we just go ahead and dive right in This is where you get off. Come with me. So uh, I've considered putting uh, notifications out using BuddyBot saying uh, famous quotes from the games. So he could say things like, This is where you get off. Come with me. But I don't know if anybody would get the jokes. Um, but if you see one of those pop up on Twitter, then uh, let me know if you think it's funny or not. It might just be terrible. Uh, <laughs> Am I actually creeping you out? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I've been an Arnie voice, says Crystal in, in, this, in the chat. Um, so uh, before we get into this real quick, please stay for the end of the episode, there is big news this week with the uh, acquisition or the announcements of the intended acquisition of Microsoft and Bethesda and Zenimax. Um, and we're going to be discussing that a little bit on the second half of the show. But to dive into the Reachmen, let's let's go back a ways because the Reachmen are connected or descended from a diverse group of peoples they they can you can say that they came from some of the peoples of uh, Daggerfall maybe that area the Bretons and then they have some Nordic blood they are they're kind of more of a tribe than a strict bloodline of people they are also related to a group called the Keptu and you probably haven't heard this word before because the Keptu are not discussed very much in the lore. They're not a group of people who are still around in the world and and reference like the Nords or the Bretons. Um, so let's just dig into this. The the Ket Keptu or Kepu Ketpu K E T P U um, is the full name. They're also called the Men of Ket or simply Keptu. Were an ancient race of men native to Central Hammerfell. And the hinterlands bordering Sirod, such as the Ural Mountains. They lived in Tamriel during the Merithic and early First Eras. This is why you haven't really heard much about them. Alongside many of the other Nedic peoples. Uh, so the, that raises a question here. Were they... We know that the Manish races are all descended either of the Nedic people or 
of the Yakutan people. So right. were they originally Nidic people who broke off early and splintered into this other group? I don't know. We don't yeah, really know for sure. <laughs> it's hard to say. Chances are they were because they arrived before the Yakutans and supposedly there were no Manish people in the area. So that must they must have been needs on some level. Um, it goes on. It says, though unpolished and barbaric, the Keptu were far from primitive and were among the early pre-Alessian civilizations to discover technologies for refining stone. Their culture at was at one point almost entirely oral, though they had developed glyphs and amulets inscribed with markings. So this leads me to believe that there was very little elven influence in the culture. Yeah, it does not seem that way whatsoever. Right. Like the elves were uh, writers. They wrote everything down. They they were very cultured. This is a group that most likely lived remotely and separate from the elvish groups around them who were bringing a a high elven culture with them everywhere they went as they kind of flourished across Tamriel. So they also were connected to her scene, which, as we know from the last episode, connects to the Reachmen. Uh, with the aid of her scene, they constructed the Bloodroot Forge atop a large source of Nurncrux in a secluded Ural in a secluded Ural Valley, a massive and powerful magical forge rivaling the architectural feats of the Aliads and the Dwemer. So they must have gotten a lot of help from her scene um, <laughs> with this Bloodroot Forge, <laughs> because we're going from like a very uh, you know primitive group to creating something on the scale of the aliens or the Dwemer. Which that, um, I, I guess from my usual tie into game, um, that is a dungeon from quite a few years back now in ESO. And, uh, it, it's, it was originally considered, I mean, that, that for a long time was like a hardcore. If you had the hard mode in there, you were a tank that was well-versed in what you were doing. Cause, uh, that that for a very long time was considered no joke of a dungeon. So, mm -hmm. um, and it's funny because just you know as we've been talking about the reach, that and the other one that we will actually be making reference to later on uh, in a second, it, they both came with horns of the reach, which is the name for that dungeon pack expansion that came out. So, uh -huh. yeah. So. Yep. So this is kind of the background behind all of that, which uh, leads to some of the other things that are going on in ESO. And and if you remember uh, Nerncrux from the episode about the Celestials, mm -hmm. that was that was part of this section in in the ESO world and some of the lore that came out with that as well. Um, this goes on and says uh, it, meaning the Bloodroot Forge, harnessed the power of lava flows to smelt the tribe's ore and heat their metals, though also served a more occult purpose as a temple to worship dark gods and practice dangerous rites of blood magic with the use of iron, Nurncrux, and lava. Now, the uh, one of the skins that you can get in Elder Scrolls Online makes you look like one of these lava skinned uh, individuals. I forget the name of the skin. You know what I'm talking about though, right? It has like the I cracks of lava all over it. Yes. Um, I, if if I'm not mistaken, I'm not great on the cosmetic side of things. Uh, I have it. I'm trying to remember. What yeah, I, I don't remember the name off, off hand. Yeah, I don't remember the name of it, but I believe you actually get it from um oh. What the heck? Which one do you get it from? Because I remember you get Forge Breaker, the title uh, from doing the hard mode in uh, Bloodroot Forge, obviously, mm -hmm. hence the name. <laughs> um, and when you're in Falkreath Hold, which is, you know, adjoining Reach region, you, you get a uh, Nordic kind of paint job as a skin. But I'm trying to remember exactly what the name of the... I, I know the exactly blood, what you're talking about. It's the Blood Forged skin or something, <sighs> something like that. Yeah, I, do I don't some, remember. He'll look it up while, yeah. while I talk. Yeah, I um, somebody's yelling at their car stereo right now, going, yeah. "It's this, you dummies! It's this skin. It's my favorite one. It's my favorite <laughs> it's like... one. All my characters use it." Um, it goes on. It says the aliens enslaved many Keptu around the Nibin during the early first era before the empire, their empire fell, which makes sense. The aliens moved in. They enslaved all the Manish races that they possibly could because that's that was their business. That's how they they did things. Due to the usage of need as a catch-all term for Merithic era humans, the Keptu are inconsistently described as being needs and as a separate race from the needs. Pelina Whitestrake brought Morehouse to the needic healer Zothas, the clever 
cutting man, man who had a Keptu name intended to the wounds he received after a battle with the aliens. How the Keptu people faded from prominence is unclear, but most Nita cultures were already in decline by the time of the regatta. By the time the regatta set foot in uh, Volenfell, circa First Era 808. So that's the coming of the Yakutans. It is suggested that they had ancient cultural interchange with the clans of the Reach who adopted parts of their cultural styles. By the Second Era, ancient Keptu sites had become ruins and were shunned by the Nords as places of evil. In the second era 582, a group of Reachmen descended from the Keptu formed the Dreadhorn clan with their Minotaur allies after their leader, Garrig Bullblood, met with the Minotaur Domihouse, the Bloodhorned, who recognized his Keptu amulet. Together they used blood magic to reawaken the blood bloodroot forge, meddling with the long slumbering smithies to infuse themselves with Nurncrux. The Dreadhorn clan used this power to put the Nordic city of Falkreath under siege, but this was lifted under after Domihouse fell in battle. This is what um, some of what Lotus is referring to here. Yep. This would be the with the other um, dungeon, um, which is Falkreath Hold, where they, the Reachmen and <laughs> Domihouse are sieging the actual city of Falkreath. Also, for the sake of not driving everybody completely insane, uh, it is called Blood Forged. You are correct. Blood Forged. <laughs> that All is right. literally it is. the name of it. It is Blood yep. Forged. Okay. It is actually called Blood Forged. It was a crown store item that you could buy. Yep. And it's it it's funny in the uh, picture that you look up for it, it's it's two characters coming out of the Nurncrux in Bloodroot Forge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So uh, and, and yep. it's, it's one of those things that like I remember looking at this back when it was first out, whenever that was, and thinking like, that's a really crazy looking skin. Why would anybody have skin that looks like that? But it makes sense because all of these things tie into the lore and they were using the blood forge and this blood magic in order to infuse their bodies with potent powers and dark magics in order to make them more powerful. And of course you have some sort of, you know, it's a good reason to have a badass looking skin, right? <laughs> in, a, in a video sure. game. Yeah. You know, like you're not going to look like a normal human when this is done. You're going to look pretty awesome. So you get this cool looking lava skin out of it. Um, you'll look blood forged as it was. <laughs> you'll look blood forged. Yeah. Yeah. So it also talks here about uh, Dami House, the bloody horned. He was the Minotaur warlord who forged the alliance with the Dread uh, Horn clan. Um, he is uh, referenced also in styles and things that you can pick up in Elder Scrolls Online. And what I think is so interesting about him is that, that you have this group of people forging a pact with Minotaurs who are considered beastmen, but they're not beast folk the way that something like the Argonians or the Khajiit are in the same. They're not given that same level of like society or respect. Even though right. some cultures don't give them respect, but in general, a Khajiit in a foreign land is going to be given more re- respect than some say something like a, a Minotaur. Um, yeah, they would be considered more barbaric and just dangerous. Bestial. Right. Yeah, I was going to say more bestial than the other beast races, I guess you'd put it. Yeah, which makes which makes it really interesting. Like, where is the line between beast race and beast? If, right. If, like, how sentient do you need to be in this world for it to cross over into, like, okay, well, now you're not just a roving monster, quote-unquote, in-game, right. but you're actually interactable as, like, another sentient being. I brought this up when we talked about um, things like goblins and yep. some of these other races. And I, I find this to be, I mean, it, we deal with this in our own world, right? People who are racist and, uh, you know, Lotus and I do not agree in any way with racism. It needs to be stamped yeah, out. No, <laughs> um, But people of racist mindset typically justify it by claiming that people who aren't their race are like beasts. They're like animals, which is, which which is, is terrible. It's <laughs> That's the thing is when you're in this fantasy world, I mean, I'm there, there's obviously crossover where some people obviously would be unable to separate fantasy and reality, but like they can blur the line so much between like, there are cat people, there are mm-hmm. lizard people, there right. are 
people people like but then like okay there's these goblin things that are kind of orcs which aren't a real thing period whereas in life it's people are people like people, there's people not a people. lot of gray area no, like no so we have way more least, in common genetically with anybody else just because you look different doesn't mean that you're not 99.9 percent .9 the same genetically yeah. correct where it's like this at least in 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 this universe it seems like the the cultures try to base the similarities and differences a little more strongly on those situations, which you can be opposed to as well if if you want. And sure. it's, you know, sure. uh, but but it's just there's the definite line between the fantasy and reality of yeah. this game with you know talking lizard people who can talk to trees as well it's like <laughs> right. are the trees sentient in game like right. you know do the trees have their own do they just should we respect the trees and their wishes even if we can't communicate with them unless we are already drinking their sap from childhood you know like how does this Correct. yeah how does this work exactly right yeah, there's this world is nothing but gray area the, the, <laughs> the gray, gray maybe <laughs> the best way to put this series yes, very very much so i guess it makes sense that if you are somebody who is a high elf and you consider like the manish races to be beasts then something like a a minotaur is so far down the spectrum from you as a high elf who according to your own philosophy descended from the gods and should return there and everyone else is garbage then you know like you can kind of see where that goes but from an objective standpoint like is there some level of sentience that means that something is a person and something isn't a person you know is a right. bull a bull isn't a person it's an animal but the sentience to be have a society and be a minotaur does that mean you're a person and you're just kind of the kind of person people just don't get along with because you're a violent type of person and so most people just don't like you very much like how does that work <laughs> where is the boundary right uh, yeah exactly not to mention well i mean not to get on a huge tangent but i mean then you've got races like the bosmer that can i mean even though it's it's frowned upon but like yes they have the capacity to shapeshift do they become not classified as like there's so many right right weird if they're on the, the wild hunts are they everybody. yeah exactly yeah, are they no longer people because they are completely consumed with their animal side um mm -hmm. you know a werewolf is a werewolf not a person when it's in a werewolf form um right a vampire is basically a daedra a, a daedric corruption of of a regular race is that not a person what about a dramora is a dramora a person you know like uh, this question is really interesting because you can take it in so many directions and yep and like Lotus says, it's gray. We we don't know. And the world hasn't decided what's right or wrong. Every culture has their own standards. Um, it's it's uh, also kind of changed throughout the series, mm -hmm. the more you look at it. I mean, orcs became a playable race. I believe it was actually in the Goblins uh, episode that you brought up. Yeah. Specifically, orcs, I mean, with me playing through Arena, Orcs are just things that go blurg blurg and run at you and try to smash you. And now it's like a full functioning society yeah. Uh, yeah. Within, the, within the series that has like their own religion and their own, you know, tribes and cities and everything like that. And they've been written so much deeper than when they started when it was like, well, of course you can't be an orc. It's just this thing that runs at you. It's just an evil monster thing. Yeah, yeah it's an evil yeah. monster. Well, no, they're people and they just have a different society than you. You got to deal with that. That's yeah, how different exactly. peoples are. Different peoples have different societies. And if you don't come from that society, it will look foreign. And end of right. story. That's just the way societies yeah, work. How it works. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's, I don't know. I'd love to hear some of your thoughts on these kinds of concepts and ideas. You guys are welcome to jump in the discord, uh, the robots radio discord, or just shoot us notes on Twitter. Um, these are, these are some interesting conceptions i would love to have this expanded out in future games and be able to be a minotaur or a dramora or who knows i mean maybe the way the world is changing we get opportunities for things that we haven't been able to be before because pre like lotus says previous games you couldn't be an orc but now you can right. maybe you could be a goblin why not they they have sure. a society they have a language they're peoples you know they're just a little bit different um so Lotus, take us into the section here about the Longhouse Emperors, because there is a period of time during the Reachmen. Let's get back to the Reachmen. They, we know that they descended from these different groups, that they have a lot of influence from the Keptu, or at least certain tribes 
ascribe their lineage to the Keptu. Um, there's a period of time here before, right before the events of Elder Scrolls Online, called uh, the Longhouse Emperors. And some people may not be familiar with that. They may know the Alessian Empire, the um, uh, Tiber Septims Empire, you know, these these other empires. But the Longhorn Emperors were a very short period of time. What was that? All yeah. About? OK, so um, as a little preface to with my main focus recently being so much ESO, it's kind of interesting how close this part leads into I, the most current Elder Scrolls game, not in the timeline, but in functional content being released, so to speak. Right. Elder Scrolls um, Online. Yeah. The Elder Scrolls Online, which so the Longhouse Emperors were a dynasty of Reachmen who seized the Ruby Throne and ruled the Empire of Cyrodiil uh, for several decades during the Interregnum, which the Interregnum is where Elder Scrolls Online takes place or all that we've experienced so far. It's there, the time it, period where there is no yeah. solid emperor. Everybody's vying for control of Cyrodiil. Right. Um, which makes up the whole multiplayer portion of everything. Um, regarded as eccentric at best and utter, utterly alien at worst by Cyrodiil's populace, the Longhouse Emperor's reign began with the Empire, uh, Empire's conquest uh, by... Durok, I guess it's is that Durkarok? I guess I think you're. I think you're right. I think it's Durkarok. There's like an extra set of syllables, so I think Durkarok will be what the pronunciation pronunciation will go with. The Black Drake, which is a very cool title. Sometime in the early sixth century of the Second Era, in an effort to solidify his tenuous claim to the throne, Durkarok married Varaxia Tharn, which is another. Very prominent name uh, mm -hmm. throughout the entire series of the prominent Tharn family in Nibine. Uh, Durkarok eventually met his end while leading an army of Reachmen in an invasion of High Rock in two, uh, well, the Second Era uh, 541. After raiding several cities, Durkarok's army was broken outside Daggerfall, and the Longhouse Emperor himself was slain by King Emmerich of Cumberland. At the time, he wasn't technically King Emmerich, but that leads you right into the alliance of the Daggerfall Covenant. He would be the leader of it. Um, Morikar the Middling, Durkarok's son, uh, succeeded him. During Morikar's... Mor yeah, Morikar. 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 These names are so hard. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with... Yeah, I think it's Morikar. Yeah. Rain, uh, he mustered his legions to subjugate Western Skyrim, but remained uh, in the Imperial City rather than lead the invasion as his father would have done. The decision likely spared his life as his, force, his forces were humiliatingly routed in a single <laughs> battle by the army of the High King of uh, by High King Svagrim. Uh, but he consequently lambasted, uh, was consequently lambasted as a coward by Western Skyrim bards. <laughs> Which yeah, is I mean, great. You, <laughs> I mean, if you don't show up to the fight and then like everybody loses, right. you're kind of the only one living to blame. So. Yeah, and, and we've met Svagrim in Elder Scrolls Online, right? Yes, he's, he's he a prominent player he's a prominent player new, he's a boastful nord he's he's big and he's bold so of course <laughs> you know that he commanded his bards to write songs to humiliate if, <laughs> if you're gonna Morikar. lose to anybody Svagrim is not the guy you're gonna want to lose to <laughs> no no he's gonna rub it in your face yes um by the second era 566 uh Durkarok's grandson Leovic had inherited the ruby uh, the ruby throne following suit with his grandfather uh by marrying a Tharn, Clivia Leovic uh Leovic's reign was initially only marked by the emperor's peculiar behaviors which the Cyrodiilic nobility blamed on his reachman upbringing eventually however Leovic uh, crossed the line when he legalized Daedra worship, <laughs> which <laughs> you can imagine how that would go, uh -huh. allegedly at the behest of his corrupt advisors, and consequently drew the ire of many nobles who had once been counted among his supporters. One of uh, one of these erstwhile supporters, Duke Varen Aquilarius of Coral, uh, marshaled his army, armies at the Colovian Estates and then led them against Leovic in open rebellion from the second era uh, 576 to the second era 577 so longer than some of the previous encounters but still not much of a battle uh in the yeah. end Levik was killed by varen and 
uh, in the Imperial throne room and the era of the longhouse emperors came to a close. Uh, we'll get into more about this, but all of these names lay lay of it less. So Varen, another very important player right. for the elder scrolls online. Right. Game if you itself. played through elder scrolls online through the main story, the original main story, not like you get it yes. and you started in Morrowind. So you start with the Morrowind story or you start in the, you know, uh, Somerset story, the original original story is all about Varen and his attempt to become a legitimate dragonborn in order to become yes. a legitimate emperor and how it goes sideways <laughs> it's basically yeah. it does not go as planned <laughs> it does not go as planned that's the whole story we won't ruin it for you it's, i'm sure at yes. some point we'll talk about more details if you know Definitely. that makes sense and if you haven't uh, play that storyline. It's it's the it's so Soulverse good. quest line. It's excellently. It's still one of my favorite storylines in the series. Um, yeah, but yeah, under under their rule, uh, Cyrodiil controlled land uh, all the way up to the Rothgarian Mountains at that point. So right. So let's let's recap this real quick. So basically, you have a very short dynasty of three generations of Reachmen who took control of the ruby throne and ruled Cyrodiil just for three generations. This is a very, very short dynasty. And they made that being that they were Reachmen, they naturally worshipped Daedra and they did these sort of sort of things that lo and behold, Cyrodiilians were resilient (laughs) against because the original people who captured and enslaved them were the um, were the. uh, uh, the Alessian Empire rebelled against were the Aelids, and the right. Aelids were known Daedra worshippers who did terrible things under Daedra worship. So you have a situation here where it makes sense. You have a bunch of Reachmen coming to power, and they're going, "All right, we're changing things. We're going to start worshiping Daedra again." And everyone else is going, "Oh no, we're not. We know where that goes." <laughs> nope, <Yeah. laughs> not back to the days of gut gardens. Thank you. <laughs> no, no gut gardens for us. Um, so sure enough, Varen. Uh, Aquilarius, who was a duke at the time, stands up and does one of the one of the good things that he ends up doing and basically takes back control of Cyrodiil and ushers in a what would have been a wonderful new era of Cyrodiilian rule, except for the fact that he decided to try to become a dragonborn in order to legitimate his place on the throne. And that throws everything into turmoil. And here we are with three major factions all warring over control of the empire so that's basically where we're at and all of this comes to a head because there are reachmen who were in control of things and kind of screwed everyone over and also weren't very good at paddling and sending people out to to battle that didn't seem very good either yeah ruling did not seem their strong point the way that conquering was at first but then (laughs) after the initial conquering it seemed like they kind of didn't just know how. floundered their way around because they didn't know what to do once they had established where they were. It was like they they had no direction other than I guess we attack now, and then yeah. none of it was obviously well thought out as they didn't win anything like ever. Well, it makes sense because they were not used to ruling an empire. No, there's, yeah, the, there's the a lot of power is a very different. Oh yeah. Uh, situation than being the oppressed and fighting your oppressor right right also they don't come from a culture that is probably as educated in reading and writing and uh drafting uh documents for things like um you know land rights and uh proclaiming war on other cultures there's a lot of stuff that goes into organizing an an empire and managing it that's why somebody like abner tharn (laughs) speaking of the tharns um comes across as so you know snotty sometimes is because he knows about all these things that when he comes across these more barbaric cultures they don't seem to know these things and they're like he legitimately is smarter about certain things so he acts like it which turns him into kind of a douche uh, but that's that's just kind of how that stuff works it's also why the high elves have that same opinion of some of the other races is that they have this society and the society has all these rules and the way things work and they feel like they're aware of that and other people aren't so it makes them feel like they're better which of course is debatable um yeah so at the end of all this there's the soul burst what's what's the soul burst about and then what happens with the clans so the soul burst is another reference to the main quest line i guess would be the easiest way to put it but 
the soul burst of it's the second era uh f- 578 or 579 I'm, I'm guessing that's as with most things during the interregnum hard facts as <laughs> if they're already not loose enough in the series hard mm-hmm. facts are even harder to come by when the imperial libraries were burned um was a massive explosion of arcane energy, which sundered the veil between Nern and Oblivion and disrupted the connection of souls, uh, the souls of the denizens of Nern and their mortal hosts. The Elder Scrolls themselves named this event after it was set into motion. Um, so this has which, completely to do with some of the events in the main story and yes. Manny Marco trying to claim power and Molek Ball trying to pull... Tamriel trying to pull Nern into oblivion. Um, yes, into his cold harbor realm, which is, mm-hmm. I assume, where a lot of this, you know, sparked from was his assault as it was big enough to render questionably the whole thing into a dragon break because there's so much plane ripping and time ripping and all of this happening during the soul (laughs) burst yeah yeah and so through all of this guess who the remaining reach clans align themselves with of course manny marco (laughs) the worm cult and so they use that as an opportunity to find more power to try to take back what is theirs and so now here we are in the events of the elder scrolls online and now in the events of you know soon to be markarth to see how this continues to play out so that's that's as far as we're going to go into that story because that gets into some of the graymore spoilers some of the events that the reachmen are involved with in graymore and some of the events that they are involved with hope you know as we are going to see in markarth so right um so that's as far as we get there much more of that without starting to spoil both the main story as well as then blending it into all of the current expansions which are I can understand. I mean, if you if you haven't played the original stories at this point, I guess spoilers are kind of on the table. But Graymore hasn't even concluded yet, so you don't want to. Yeah, we're not going to spoil that one yet. Into yeah. the Dark Heart of Skyrim yeah. yet. <laughs> but you can you can tell from this that there's there's definitely motivation here because you have Reachmen who are Daedra worshippers and have worshipped Molag Ball in the past as one of the Daedra that they worship. They most likely will worship her scene, but some of the tribes have worshipped Molag Ball, and they are different and have been talked down to basically by all of these different groups, the Nords, the Cyrodillians, the um, the Bretons. Um, they've they've had war with all of them. At some point, they took over the Ruby throne and were kicked out. So talk about a group that has a vendetta. And it makes sense that they're trying to align themselves with these forces that they traditionally have aligned themselves with. They have a lot of motivation for trying to do what they can in order to take back power so right this is the foundation for this storyline this is this is it right here yeah so all right well that that's very conclusive i think i think we kind of yeah that was the extra <laughs> bit we needed to addendum on to the previous show to just kind of fill in the blanks <laughs> right yeah there's definitely a there was a place of you know like these this is who they are and what's going on but then there was this whole section which is like okay this is who they are in their motivation for what's going on now and what we're yeah. coming to learn more about in the, the recent expansion so we wanted and to kind of lay it out even though it was followed by massive failure it was one of the few major successes the reachmen have actually had yeah. at the same time i mean granted it ended pretty unceremoniously but outside of this it's not a lot of huge victories on their their side so so this is pretty impactful to their overall existence i mean you got to give them some credit like they're still sticking around in the fourth era yeah they are and to be fair depending upon where the timeline goes after the events of elder scrolls uh five skyrim who knows maybe they'll there will be more to them and maybe mm-hmm. they've had more victories like they're who's to say they don't win in the in that era and actually take some land back for themselves and they're originally from the hammerfall hammer hammerfell area yep. which may be a location that we get to visit in the next major elder scrolls so one that i definitely think is uh the most likely situation actually yeah so we might be seeing more reachmen in that um 
that further furthering continuation of the story along with the you know the roots of some other cultures that we haven't been able to visit yet so mm-hmm. um exciting stuff all right well let's move Hurry. into the middle of the show and then we're going to talk about the microsoft bethesda zenimax acquisition here we go the skies are marked with numberless sparks each a fire and every one a sign have you ever wanted to learn more about geography without sitting through a snoozy old lecture? Geography Arcade is a weekly podcast all about your favorite video games and their geographic lessons, inspirations, and even some minor analysis. Some may say analysis. Boo! Well, we're going to learn and have fun while we talk about Pokemon, Elder Scrolls, and much more. Come join the adventure at Geography Arcade on your favorite podcatcher and YouTube. So thank you for tuning in again, everybody. And thank you to all of our patrons. Uh, we have some new patrons. I will be calling now, them out uh, two episodes from now because next week is our patron chat episode where we're going to get together and we're going to have a chat about something. We haven't decided yet. We haven't come up with a topic. I usually try to let the patrons decide what the topic will be. Lotus, do you want to join us next week for that? You're welcome to I think I should be available. In. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm available. Unless I'm forgetting something, um, I, I will be there as well. Okay. Yeah. Same time and place, uh, Thursday night, yep. 10 p.m. slash 7 p.m. Um, so uh, if you are a tier four patron or you are not a tier four patron but would like to be, you have time to upgrade in order to join us for that episode. Um, I'm, again, I don't know exactly what topic we're going to discuss, but uh, patrons, please shoot some topics around on the Discord and let's come up with something. And if you guys can't come up with something, then I can always put something together. Like we did a we did a quiz show a few times. We could do something like fun like that. That's always fun, too. So um, that's coming up. And. In other news, um, oh, I wanted to show this off. I haven't, I haven't talked about our merch in a while. Lotus of Doom is the one that I originally had this conversation with for the shirt I'm wearing today. Check this out, and if you're on, the, you can see it. So if you're, <laughs> if you're in the video, you can see the um, why not Hermes Mora shirt that I'm wearing. Um, that's another <laughs> way to support the show. You can buy merch if you go to the robotsradio.net site. You can see merch for for the show. Had I known, I would have worn mine. Oh yeah, yeah. Should I should have? I've got one too. Yeah, <laughs> I, I pulled it out of the laundry today. I was like, yes, I'm definitely wearing this, and I should probably show people it. Um, it's. It looks like Zoidberg as Hermaeus Mora, or Hermaeus Mora as Zoidberg saying, why not Hermaeus Mora? Um, because that's kind of what he looked like in the really early games. Um, so, <laughs> in other news, or in other ways that you can help support the show, you can check out our sponsors, and we talked about them last week, and we're going to talk about them again, audiobooks.com. You should definitely, definitely, definitely check out the Elder Scrolls books and get them for free audiobooks you get three audiobooks just for clicking the link in the show notes and if you don't can't find the link or for some reason your player just doesn't show the show notes just write me a note on discord we actually had somebody lotus who uh reached out to me and was like hey i can't seem to get the show notes to open on my player can i have a link and um I, I'm pretty sure they went and signed up and, and got themselves some of the Elder Scrolls oh, books. There you go. So, yeah. Nice. Easy peasy. Love those books. Yeah. The awesome books, and it's a really easy way to help support the show because uh, we get a little bit back for everyone who signs up for some free books, and no commitment on your side. You can always just check out two or three books, get them, listen to them, and then you don't have to continue subscribing if you don't want to. So, um, super, super easy to do. So, go check those out. You can just look up Elder Scrolls on the audiobooks.com site but use our link to get the three free books so you'll see some two free book deals out there we got we got the three one for you so go check that out all right let's move to the end of the show yes yes you're entirely brilliant conquering madness and all that blah 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 so lotus we have some news this week about the potential acquisition it isn't all the way finished yet but the intent to acquire zenimax which includes Bethesda, it includes Elder Scrolls and Fallout and Doom and all these other games that they make um, f- uh, from Microsoft. And I, I've i talked about this at length on the Fallout Hub. Um, if you guys don't listen to the Fallout Hub and you want to know more about this, look up the most recent episode of the Fallout Hub on whatever podcatcher you're using. Um, most of the time, the show is specifically about Fallout, but this last one was about this acquisition. What are your thoughts on this? I'm, I'm very curious. 
So um, since we are kind of all like one giant podcast family, it seems to be, uh, I had a pretty lengthy discussion. I was actually uh, invited to be a guest. I was on the unofficial Elder Scrolls podcast this week as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got pretty, pretty in depth with it. So um, my thought on this, this, this definitely, I'm not going to lie. This came out of left field um, and I did make the the joke that I am now selfishly tethered to the history of Bethesda forever because this was, this took place on my birthday. Oh, <laughs> I'm like, where is this going? <laughs> so my birthday marks the point where Microsoft officially owns Bethesda. Oh man, that's funny. Well, happy birthday, I guess. Thank you. Um, yeah, that was good. So, so it's just kind of funny that I was like, Hey, my favorite series are now like part of the thing related to this weird. Okay. That's <laughs> it, a weird twist, but that was not what I expected to wake up to. Um, I was definitely under the impression with, if you look at, I mean, there's industry industry trends leading towards subscription services um, as a sustainable model and stuff like that mm-hmm. from the business end of things. I definitely had gotten the feeling that, they were steering in a not so spiky form of uh, income, so to speak, and have a sustainable model. Now, that's very appealing to investors, and they have had a couple very large things go in their direction. Uh, The Oculus thing with Facebook, where they actually won that. They've branched out into a couple other things, that Orion uh, streaming service code that they were working on i haven't really heard much since then um obviously eso has a subscription fallout 76 has dabbled with a lot of different mm, styles of keeping people engaged with their games Mm -hmm. and this was all backed on the huge success of obviously skyrim and then fallout 4 as well yeah i thought they were going to go public as a company um and Uh, go publicly traded that that, that very well could have been a thing like, yeah, but that that was where I thought they were going. And one of the things I have liked about them uh, is that the fact that they, they are, you know, a private company. So they aren't necessarily at the whim of investors who have no concept of what a video game is, which is a big problem in many regards where you have companies like EA, where mm-hmm. there are people who are so divorced from any idea of what video games have to do with anything other than a check that is coming to them. Right. So they make these just very rash, really aggressive, not consumer friendly things to milk an IP dry and then just, okay, good. We're out. Sell our stock. Peace. I'm done. Yeah. That doesn't it's like a happen. scorched earth policy. Very much. It's so just, that, that yeah. is not a thing that's ever really been, with Bethesda because the board of directors is there. They've been there for a long time. The environment I've heard nothing but great things working at that. I mean, mm-hmm. and it's obviously not just words. Todd Howard's been there for 25 years. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And after, heck, staff, after releasing so, a game like oblivion and the success of that, he could yeah. have gotten a huge pay raise and gone and worked for somebody else. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, like the people that I'm friendly with from ZeniMax uh, online studios, which is not ZeniMax media. Those are separate. They're confusing. There's mm. a lot of the same way that there's Bethesda game, there's Bethesda game studios and Bethesda publishing. Right. It, yeah. It, the naming's a little rough guys, but <laughs> <laughs> yes. um, luckily, you know, they're connected. So it's not like they're different companies, but um, so many of them have recently been posting like, Oh, it's my 10th year. And I was like, that's, you just one you don't see that often in business oh yeah two you definitely don't see that in the gaming industry that is unusual right so i thought that the direction might be to go public and then they didn't they got acquired instead which i was shocked for 7.5 billion dollars that is crazy that is crazy the marvel <laughs> acquisition was yes 4.5 billion i believe yes it's essentially two star wars's <laughs> yeah this is like the disney not quite oh my but like yeah. yeah 
All of yeah, like, but holy moly, or three and change Minecrafts like <laughs> like yeah. th- that's which is another Microsoft property. Um, right, right. So so when are we getting death claws in, Minecra- in Minecraft? That's, I mean, I do have a, a Fallout mod for Minecraft. It's yeah, a, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, or um, or yeah. <laughs> Daedric Lords so, in Minecraft. Can you imagine? Can you imagine going <laughs> through a portal and ending up in a Daedric realm? In Minecraft, but it is oh, it, oh my god, it, it's craziness. Like that, that was that was those were insane numbers being thrown around. But Microsoft now has more first party studios than Sony, which has always been their big mm-hmm. thing that everybody rips on them for. Mm-hmm. Um, which brings us, of course, to the next point, I suppose, of what does that mean going forward? Right, right. Well, so let's pause for a second. I, I think I think yeah. you're absolutely on the right track here. And I, I think mm-hmm. that it all has to do with getting these big selling games that get a lot of buzz and have huge fan bases on Microsoft Game Pass before or not at all before they w- get on any of the other game services. Correct. That that is it. I, I would very very I would be very surprised if they don't release Starfield or Elder Scrolls Six for PlayStation. Those things are going to come Correct. out. They'll put a disc out. They'll put a, a digital download. You'll be able to get it on these other platforms. But Microsoft knows that the Netflix of gaming is where things are going. And if they yes. can keep these things on their platform or at least only on their platform first. And then they get pushed out over the other places, then more people will sign up for their platform. And once you end up on one of those platforms, chances are you're going to stick with it. They know right. if they get someone to, to pay for a month, that that person is likely to stay, stay subscribed, even in the months that they don't actually play any of the games on the Game Pass. Because we're lazy and we don't think about it. And I mean, think about how many months you've probably subscribed to Netflix and haven't watched anything on Netflix the entire basis of gym memberships in the united states right it's yeah it's it, it the membership model works because people forget or they just don't think enough about that ten dollar subscription in order to make yeah. a change if you can get that initial hook into people the odds that they will spend the time to go out of their way to then unsubscribe to said thing is very low yes um yeah the real trick though is getting that initial hook this was announced the day before the new Xbox's pre-orders go on sale, which, what are the odds? <laughs> no, that was very intentional, yeah. Yeah, what are the odds? Uh, yeah, so that was clearly, you know, a thing that, that was designed to really, I mean, as if they needed to, to sell. The new generation of consoles will sell out repeatedly at the start anyways, but yes. then it's in the long run. However, this evened the field quite a bit in software and microsoft is a software company above being a hardware company mm-hmm. there yeah sony is agree. the opposite by the way yes. sony is traditionally Correct. the opposite that's why sony has always tried to compete on um uh the the way the the consoles perform uh like you go mm-hmm. back to the playstation 3 they they created their own cores with ai so that they could stick multiple cores together and they had this whole architecture that was very different than a regular pc for the ps3 because they were trying to outpace microsoft when it came to the hardware um they've always been greatest results (laughs) right right and yeah the results were you know whatever but that's that's always been their attempt and you can tell from the software side that their software has always taken a little bit longer to flesh out the things that microsoft has done well on the software side so there's always been this kind of dichotomy between the two um, companies so that's and to to what you said i absolutely think that their mainstay mega titles fallout the elder scrolls doom those three specifically i think will stay cross-platform they may have a timed exclusivity like maybe six months or something if microsoft really wants to strong arm them but i'll actually be surprised if they even do that i I, I feel like yeah i'm expecting it's gonna be more like like release bonuses right well the thing is if you're on a a microsoft subscription-based which is uh game pass your options are get a game pass and play this game for $15 for a month. Mm-hmm. You don't, that's it. Or buy it on another platform 
for well, 60, then it's seventy dollars. Yeah, it's now seventy dollars. Exactly. Yeah. So it's cheaper if you just want to try it. Well, maybe I'll just sub, mm-hmm. and it pulls people in that direction. Yep. Those games are too monumentally huge. To they would be cutting off their own hand just for the sake of preventing Sony from getting it. That's obviously not what they're doing. Right. They didn't do it with Minecraft. They've been putting stuff out on the Switch. They are not above playing ball because they have adopted this publisher mentality where it's like, we'll take a cut. Also, not only do we take a cut of the sales on your platform, thanks for the free advertising as they boot up the PlayStation and it says Microsoft Game Studios right in the middle of right. it. It's like, yeah, you, yeah. you are advertising your competitor and you can't do anything about it. Um, so that's that's really now the things that they might keep as exclusives starfield's another one where it's an unknown entity um which i believe i forget the exact todd howard quote that i recently heard where there's a lot of hype for a game that nobody's seen anything of yes (laughs) um right so so there is that too which i think will be open but i think smaller products um prey um Mm -hmm. what is it maybe not quake quake's been on a downward interest level um right as of recently but quake was always a big thing as well um you know dishonored stuff like that Mm -hmm. those might be small enough that they wolfenstein Mm -hmm. those could maybe be on well okay this will this will just be xbox only or something like that but when you have the mega mega games that are selling 30 million plus, it's like, no, that's never, it's not cost effective anymore to not just take the cut of so many sales elsewhere. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Uh, I think I, I very much expect that to be the case. Um, what do you think about, uh, somebody like Bethesda having more resources now that there's more I, money behind that? Okay. So, my pipe dream will continue now that it's I, it was originally dashed when the new consoles were announced and they said, hey, these are totally free upgrades to the next console. <laughs> I know where you're going um, with this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they were like, as long as you stay in the console family. And I was like, no, please let me bring my PlayStation <laughs> save to PC. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. now Microsoft has a huge networking infrastructure that they can share with them. So some of the problems that have been going on behind the scenes with that, maybe Microsoft can dump a dump truck full of money to fix. Um, The other benefit, which sounds weird as a quote unquote benefit, is owning these IPs they have the potential to force Sony to play nice, which Sony has repeatedly shown they don't want to, but it happened with Fortnite. Fortnite. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a big enough acquisition where they could be like, look, we're going to start taking things away from you. If you don't just cooperate with letting things play with each other, like it's fine. You can still have these things, Mm -hmm. but let them have the ability to talk to each other. 76 is another potential example. So I'll be very curious to see if something comes about as that, because, oh my Lord, what I wouldn't give for cross save. Uh, I don't even need cross play because the add on is a whole different piece. Wouldn't it be smart? Go with me here. Wouldn't it be smart? They implement cross play in order to pull people from PlayStation onto Xboxes and PC through game pass. ESO oh is God. on Game Pass, right? It is. It's been on you Game You already Pass get on Game Pass. You go, oh, Starfield's coming out. I'm going to get on Game Pass. Oh, they have Elder Scrolls Online here, too. Oh, and they have cross... I can. Oh, I can just load up my account? I guess I could just play it here now, and then all of a sudden you're not playing it on PlayStation anymore. So, the other thing about that, which is something that... The only reference point for this great cross-save system... Uh, that I have where there initially wasn't crossplay and then there was because a lot of new games, Fortnite and stuff like that, they kind of have had crossplay in the background idea for a long time. Mm-hmm. Destiny 2 did not originally. I don't still play Destiny, so you know, I, I can't speak, but I, I have plenty of friends who did, and I played a lot of Destiny 1 and a decent amount of Destiny 2. Um, but they factored it in and it became a thing. Mm-hmm. They make money on multiple. You don't 
own all of your DLC wherever you go. You own your file wherever you go. So if you want to play on PC, you have to buy the DLC again. Yeah. If you want to play on Xbox, you got to buy it again. I'm still fine with that feature. And then that's a way to give a cut to whichever system it's on. So there are ways that, you know, if you want to play on Sony, okay, fine. That's great. You'd need to buy the DLC if you wanted to play on that. But to your point, if they want, if somebody wants to come to Xbox or they want to come to PS, I mean, PC, people like to jump around and play with different groups of friends. Well, you'd need to buy it on all of them then. Yeah. And that would mean Microsoft gets a little <laughs> cut of all of it. Or you have to subscribe in order to get access to the free DLC from the subscription. Correct. And Which again, you're maintaining Microsoft a subscription. Gets a cut of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It it all so, it all works out for their benefit. Yes. I um so I high hopes that this will from the networking side of things benefit all of us um that play these types of games. Mm-hmm. Because that's the 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 highest hopes I have. And then further down the line, we'll see. Hopefully, they dump some extra money at them. And I, I don't like being negative, but like, okay, let's let's update that engine. Like, if we're gonna yeah. have Elder Scrolls Six, please let's not have the Morrowind engine have anything to do with it anymore. Yeah. Creation has well uh, done great Todd, things for us. Todd Howard's talked about it, and uh, he even addressed addressed this what yesterday and said that yeah, I believe this. This jump in the engine, the the updates they've made to this is the biggest that they've ever made. Yes, um, equivalent to the jump from Morrowind to Oblivion, which right, which, which was significant. Like when you, when yes. you put those two things and, next to each other at the time, they were very different. Yes, and and the the I am not a tech whiz by any means. I mean, I know the basics of all of this stuff, and I've done minimal programming. An engine is not just like a, this is the thing, and we, oh, we need a new one? Just throw this one in the trap. An right. engine is built out of component parts of how it reads code. So it's fine to have, you know, the basis for it, and that's what you do. You change stuff. I mean, Fallout 76, sorry, this is like a pretty decent tangent, sorry. Uh, <laughs> but Fallout 76 has, has like the Quake engine duct taped on for the multiplayer aspect uh-huh. when i learned that i was like that that blowing my mind that that was their multiplayer it's like well yeah but we've got this creation engine thing and we'll just attach this onto the and it, it's it's crazy to just think that it's an engine is the sum of its parts mm-hmm. yeah so having a little bit there is fine but hopefully this greatest engine overhaul as crystal put in chat (laughs) is really really noticeable and they they're fixing some of these these long-standing problems that the engine has had from it being so outdated at this point Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah and i I bring this up on the fallout hub at what point it's the question about like the ship at what point do you replace enough of the, the the wood timbers of the ship to the point where it's no longer the same ship Right. Right. Yeah, so exactly. I if, that's also uh, if it's maybe maybe they've had the mast of the ship in place since Morrowind and that's causing a lot of the typical problems we've had with the system. Well, finally replace the mast, you know, like let's get that. Let's get a new mast on there and make well, sure that it works well exactly. with the, all the other parts that were designed only three years ago. And maybe that solves the problem. But we don't know. Yes. And, and you know, who knows what we will get uh, going forward with some of that information. You know, will Ed Tech have anything to do with Halo? Who who knows what this will lead? But them sharing tech will be a very interesting thing to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hope that they can pull from these other parties. Uh, this is something else I, I brought up on the Fallout Hub was um, one of the things I was excited about uh, with the acquisition of ID by Bethesda was the fact that ID designed um, game engines and those kinds of things and maybe that team has been working with the part of Bethesda that does game engines so I, I don't know but that would mean that they've been there for a number of years now maybe working well, there was scenes. an there's I mean look at how much better the gunplay got in Fallout I they oh, yeah. even mentioned that it has directly been involved with the gunplay and it shows like mm-hmm. try playing Fallout 3 after playing I'm as much as people like ripping on Fallout 76 
play Fallout 76 and then go back and try to use the gunplay in Fallout 3. It is a different beast altogether. Very much so. <laughs> like, very much so. And uh, and the gunplay works. Uh, I've been playing a lot of 76 lately. The gunplay, if you're doing the PvE stuff, the gunplay is I fine. Like it. it's, it's totally fine. Yeah, if you've got a good connection, if the connection derps out, then you know you try to shoot something that well, doesn't take sure, damage. But it's an online yeah. game. That happens, right? But for the most part, it's been great. Um, the one place I have difficulty with 76 is in the uh like the pve um nuclear winter mode i in that mode i don't feel like i'm as accurate as i should be but i don't know if that's just me not getting used to the weapons or not um yeah i I actually don't mind it i i i've had pretty decent luck it's oddly one of my favorite battle rails i don't really like battle royale very much as a game type too random yeah uh but but i actually like theirs i feel it's very fitting yeah. All right. Well, I think we've kind of we've covered this. Uh, we've also been struggling with some other <laughs> soft, uh, yeah. yeah, some other connection issues and Look, things. I think the real <laughs> takeaway here is Starfield will just use Microsoft Flight Simulator's global map technology, oh and it will just map the whole universe. Oh my god, that would be amazing. <laughs> oh man, I can't wait for that. <laughs> that would be phenomenal. No. <laughs> right. Oh. Take that, No Man's Sky. No. Yeah, or uh, 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 Star Citizen. <laughs> this is what you get, Star oh Citizen, with God, your millions of dollars of funding. <laughs> You're like, nope, we've got <laughs> we've got Microsoft now. Screw you guys. <laughs> All right. Well, sounds sounds like we're coming to the end, guys. Thank you for tuning yeah. in again, and thank you, Chat, for being here with us as well. Uh, one yes. other thing before we go, um, I wanted to let people know that starting next week after our um, patron episode. Any of the shows that I'm doing, um, so that's Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Saturday nights, I have shows each of these nights. This one's on um, Thursday. I will be doing a hangout session afterwards. It's kind of like an office hours. Um, Now, that might just mean I do like I normally do, and I turn on a game, and I play, and you guys can hang out, and we can do some stream stuff and just chat and have fun. Uh, But if you guys have very specific questions about either podcasting and content creation which i do a lot of and i run a network of podcasts or uh some of the lore and some of the stuff that we've talked about on the show you're welcome to stay afterwards after we've concluded the episode and i will do at least you know 20 30 minutes of office hours to kind of hang out and talk with you guys about stuff because i know that there are a lot of people out there um, who listen to these shows who would love to get into creating some of their own content whether it's podcasts or youtube videos or streaming or something like that so i'd love to help you guys out so uh, feel free to hang out uh next time starting any next starting next week any of the shows i'll be I'll be here during office hours. Professor Robots is is available. Uh, Lotus, do you have anything cool going on that we can talk about? Um, yeah, so we announced um, as a well, as a podcast slash stream um, over at Tales of Tamriel, which is uh, the other podcast that I am part of. We I, every year I do extra life, and I had mentioned that I would probably have something more to describe as we got closer to the event. So if you happen to be around October 17th, um, that entire weekend, pretty much, um, me, Arcaneer, and Hyperpixie will be relaying a stream for 48 hours 40 nonstop. 48 <laughs> Two days. 48 hours. A weekend um, of the 17th of October. Um, this is like Dungeon Fest. Yes. And the... All of the money uh, raised during the event will be going to the Boston Children's Hospitals uh, to provide medical care to children who can't afford it themselves or families who can't afford the medical treatment they need. Uh, We'll have more uh, details as we get closer on incentives we'll be doing. We have lots of giveaways. Um, Huge shout out to... Zenimax and uh, specifically Gina Bruno, who got back to me. We have game codes to give away, crown packs, uh, torch bugs. I have physical collectors coins from the events that no longer happen because oh, they're cool. we're not allowed to have fun anymore. Yep, <laughs> they are, they're cool too. They're like, they're solid. They're like this, this big. Um, yep. So we've got physical stuff. We've got digital stuff. There'll be lots of giveaways for the event. And um, yeah, hopefully we can raise some good money for the Boston Children's Hospitals. Awesome. Well, good luck with that. I'll definitely be tuning in. Um, 
Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Lotus, Lotus always gets himself into some sort of uh, wacky situation on those. Uh, especially, <laughs> once, especially once he's been up for like 20 hours and it's like, oh, what is even uh, happening? Once yeah. I get delirious, it gets bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's good times. Uh, you guys should tune in and, and help support them. It's a, it's a good cause. Um, I think that's it. You guys know how to get a hold of me. Uh, you guys check the show notes for all the stuff, all the details. Uh, follow on Twitter. Check uh, the Robots Radio YouTube channel for this episode. If you'd rather see our meat faces than listen to us on the audio platform, you're welcome to check us out there. That's where all the videos go after the live episode. And if you haven't made a live episode yet, we'd love to have you in chat asking questions and kind of sharing in the fun. Um, so that's that's what we got going on. Come join me sometime and come check out Lotus's stuff. We got lots of fun stuff for you guys. All right, Lotus. Thanks again, buddy. It's time to head out. Yeah, thanks for having me. Until next time, don't try to usurp uh, emperors of Tamriel because, you know, that never ends up well. So uh, stay safe out there. Talk to you guys later. See ya. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Elder Scrolls Lorecast. All sounds and music are owned by Bethesda Softworks or Zenimax Studios, and no copyright infringement is intended. If you have something you'd like to contribute to the show, please reach out to us at elderscrollslorecast at gmail.com or on Twitter at ESOLorecast. If you'd like to help support the show, check out the rewards you can get at patreon.com slash elderscrollslorecast. I really appreciate you listening, and I'd love to hear from you soon. Thanks to our patrons for support, especially our Tier 5 patrons, including Noodle Al Dente. You've been listening to a rogue... Ahoy there, ye landlubbers. Avast, my name is Captain Logan, and I'll be your guide out on the Sea of Thieves. If you love the idea of stealing treasure, cutting down cursed skeletons, fighting off krakens, and raiding forts filled to the brim with shinies, then Sea of Thieves is the game for you. Join me each week as I dive into the news and bring back the nuggets of information that any sailor worth their weight in salt would desire. You don't have to be a pirate legend to gain access to my podcast. Just search for Keelhauled, a Sea of Thieves podcast in your podcast app of choice or head over to robotsradio.net or captainlogan.podbeam.com and get ready to set sail for adventure. Arrgh. My name is Brian Burton. It's been 26 years since the bombs fell. And since I've left the vault, I've been trying to rebuild. This isn't the Appalachia that I remember. There's so much more to everything going on. And I promise to find the answer. So if you're out there, if you're listening, just hone in on these coordinates. There's a place for you at the end. Omega. The Omega Broadcast Fallout Story is available on iTunes, Spotify, and many great podcasting sources. Once upon a time, 27 years after the bombs fell, there were two people, a vault dweller and a California girl. They met and sparks flew. That's when things got interesting. Once Upon a Wasteland is their story. Follow Elizabeth Kirby and Odessa Valdez as they pursue their happily ever after in the post-apocalyptic Appalachian wasteland of Fallout 76. Available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and many other podcasting platforms. Once Upon a Wasteland, a Fallout 76 love story. Available now.